on-demand coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. 7-23-18, July 23 edition PFT PM. We're back. I'm back. We're back. Didn't do Thursday, didn't do Friday. Sorry about that. Don't really have much of a good excuse. We had the PFT Live Summit here in West Virginia and just never really got around to it. And I can't say we had extremely high-level, important meetings that consumed the time. We could have done it. We just didn't. And in hindsight, I wish we had because it could have been fun. But, you know, that's that. And on we go. Now, there have been some changes made to the PFTPM podcast. They're not significant, but I maybe they could be. Maybe now we're going to have a little more direction, a little more coordination. I'll have a little more guidance. I won't just be talking about whatever dumb stuff that happens to pop into my head because Matt Casey, the coordinating producer of PFT Live every morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, NBC Sports Radio, two-hour simulcast on NBCSN, is now in the chair, the stats seat at the NBC Sports Radio studio in Stamford, Connecticut. And Matt Casey with a hot mic and... Joining me now. Hi, Matt Casey. Just trying to keep you in line, Mike. All right, let's get right to it. Um, some uh, some folks who are showing up for camp unless they don't. Now, I, there's three names I want to talk about. Matt, Matt, And see, Matt Casey is very organized, and this is good. I'm not being a smartass. Very organized and will keep me on track and keep me moving in the direction I should move in. You had three names on here. You removed one of them. I still want to talk about the other one. So we'll put the other one back in. But let me start with Josh Gordon. It was kind of a surprise today when this statement came out from Josh Gordon that he's going to miss the first week of training camp because he's having normal... It was just like this very, they tried to make it innocuous, but it was so ominous because the statement itself made it clear that this has some relationship to the health condition that prompted him to miss multiple years of football because he had a condition, an addiction, a problem, an issue. He, he, he had a, a real health condition that caused him to not choose football over whatever his substances were that were causing him to violate the substance abuse policy. And to have this come up now, just as training camp is ready to get started and he's going to miss a week of camp, and then the Browns come out with a statement that he's going to be on the, on the non-football illness list. And the NFL says, we'll make a comment at the appropriate time, which is, a, that is loaded, man. That's loaded like a bazooka when they say that. I mean, what they should have said is, we don't know what you're talking about. We have nothing to say about Josh Gordon. He's He's cleared to play. He's eligible to play. And... And, and until anyone ever says otherwise, that's what he is. You don't even say that. Just say he's eligible to play. They, they've hinted that there's an issue. I think there is an issue, notwithstanding the reporting of Adam Schefter of ESPN. I think he's truthfully passing along whatever BS someone fed to him, this idea that it has nothing to do with uh, any type of a slip-up or positive test. I've seen some scattered reports of a positive test for Josh Gordon, but I personally think something happened to cause this to occur now. The way Schefter put it, it's basically a preventive, proactive measure. If you're going to do that, do it before camp starts. Get five or six weeks. Do it before. That makes it nonsensical that it would be happening now. I think, this is my opinion, I think something happened, and I think he's trying to get everything under control, and I think the NFL, out of character, is choosing to be magnanimous about this. In the past, the NFL would use its discretion under the substance abuse policy to beat the hell out of the players and take a hard line, you're suspended, you're suspended, you're suspended. 
I feel like in this case, and I think they're doing the same thing with Martavis Bryant. Remember the report that he he the, the Raiders are bracing for another suspension. Then there's a report he didn't have a failed test. Well, you can get yourself in trouble without a failed test. If you fail to comply in any way with your treatment program, that's a violation. The way the policy's written, if you were banished for life, which is technically what happened to Gordon and to Bryant, and you reinstate or achieve reinstatement after a year, you're always in stage three of the program for the rest of your career. And one false move means you're gone again for at least a year. I think the NFL is going easy on these guys. Not because all of a sudden Roger Goodell's feeling charitable, but I think the NFL realizes it hurts them. When talented young players are arbitrarily ripped away from the game, it hurts the NFL. So Josh Gordon plays. Martavis Bryant plays. You find a way to let these guys play, and that helps the sport. You know, this is a time when there's so much concern about little Jimmy and Johnny not being allowed to play football. They're concerned about the supply of players. You have great players. Justin Blackman, I mean, it's so far gone for him. He'll never, he's not even coming close to being able to play again. But for some of these guys, if it's a close question, instead of taking advantage of the full power and discretion that is available to find these guys in violation and throw them out of the league, I think the league's starting to realize it's probably in our best interest to let these guys stay and to never admit it, right? You don't want to acknowledge your weakness. It's like Fonzie admitting he was wrong, a very timely reference. You're not going to do it. And you're going to continue to keep your arms crossed and have that, the, uh, you know, the mean look on your face and, and come off as a hard ass. But I think the NFL realizes there are going to be situations where it's in the league's best interest to give these guys a break. And I think that's going to happen to Josh Gordon. And if there's been any slip-up, and this is why there'd be an incentive for someone to lie to Shefty that there's been no slip-up. Because if there's been a slip-up, he should be gone for at least a year. I think there's been a slip-up, but the NFL has given him a pass because they want to help him. I don't know if they want to help the Browns, but I think they don't want to rob a guy who's going to bring you know, the buzz and excitement, right? I mean, we're hearing stories about how great Josh Gordon is, and it's going to make Browns games more interesting. It's going to make any game he's involved in more interesting. Why are you going to run him off when you don't need to? So, see how it plays out. But I think he'll be, unless, like, he continues to have these issues and, and it's one after another, I think he's going to be back. And I think the NFL doesn't want us to realize that they have gone easy on him. Similar to what happened with Jameis Winston. That they gave him a three-game suspension. They didn't issue a lengthy letter with everything he did wrong because they didn't want him to get run out of the league. By the PR outcry that may have come out if they had sent a six-page single-space letter detailing everything that he did on the night in question that resulted in the three-game suspension. So the NFL, I think, trying to ensure that good young players are available to play football because it's in the NFL's interest for those men to be suited up and on the field. Odo Beckham Jr. Now look, we got a little NFL Network on NFL Network crime with Odo Beckham Jr., Matt Casey, because we were in Orlando. Remember when all that stuff came out about OBJ being traded and it was Ian Rappaport of NFL Network who said that Beckham's not setting foot on a field until he gets his extension. Remember that? I do. And now you got NFL Network, different reporter, Kim Jones. Is it Kimberly or Kim? Are both acceptable? Sure. I think it's Kim. I think it's Kimberly. Either way, Kimberly Jones of NFL Network is reporting that uh, he's going to show up. He's going to be there at training camp. And the only way to reconcile the two, and I posted something about this at PFT a little earlier, the only way we can harmonize those two is that he's going to show up 
but he's still going to do that kind of weird thing that was going on in the offseason program where he wasn't participating, you know, because of his leg or because of this or because of that. Today it's my hamstring. Tomorrow it's it's my quad. The next day, you know, I've got I've got a, an oblique injury, whatever that is. I, maybe I had, you know, one day if, if he has to do it, he goes with the concussion-like symptoms because nobody's ever going to question that. I mean, if he wants to hold in, that is a way to withhold services in kind of a passive-aggressive way. You don't want to go too far with it. You don't want to flat-out refuse to practice. But I think the Giants need to be concerned that, number one, he's not going to be happy, and number two, that maybe he's going to look for ways to limit his injury exposure during practices, hopeful that he'll get the kind of offer he wants. The problem is this. Once you show up, you can't leave. The way the system's set up, don't show. Don't be Hold there. Hold on. Go ahead. You, go ahead. I'm, I want to go back to what you said. You said the only way you can reconcile this. It was four months ago. Stuff can change. Circumstances can change in the last four months. Yeah, but that's a pretty strong position. Will not set foot on a field until he gets an extension. So assuming that that's still valid, and maybe I should ask Ian Rappaport if he still stands by that. I could really stir up a little trouble by pressing him on that. Maybe I will. Be nice. I'm, that's not. There's nothing wrong with that. What do you mean, be nice? Yeah, it's not. not that's, that's, that's fair. Hey, Ian, you said back in March the guy's not setting foot on the field. I'm not trying to be a smartass here. Help me understand this. Explain it to me. What happened? You know, and if they were going to, if that was the position, that's an interesting dilemma from an editorial standpoint. Do you wade back into that water and explain what, what changed or you just act like it never happened? What, 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 what would you suggest? If I was in that situation, Matt, if I had the report back in March that he was not setting changed. foot on the field. I think it's field. easily, it, so much time has passed, so much stuff has happened. Other free agents have signed, the draft happened. But this OTAs is a guy that wants, happened, want... minicamp happened, and I realize not a lot of that may have impacted uh, his contract situation, but it could have been a leverage play back then where he thought he could get a deal or he might have been traded. Well, and it now also, that's, that's it, passed, and now, hey, I'm here to play. I, I got an idea that maybe it was a reaction to John Mara and all the tough talk from – the early days of the league meetings. Remember that? I don't want to talk about this guy. It was after the the photo with the pizza and and then and right. whatever he had in his hand that people were clutching their pearls and losing their minds about. I mean, it's a, come on, give me a break. The guy's in France and who cares? But that was a big deal and Mero was reacting to that and and maybe maybe he just was reacting and that was his frustration. But either way, I want to know. I want to know because that's a pretty clear firm position. Will not set foot on a field. Period. And, and it fits with what Chris Sims and I have been saying for a year. Don't set foot on a field. Withhold mm-hmm. services. That's your only way to exert leverage. And as I was saying, if you show up and then leave, they have you. You, you show up and leave, they send you a five-day letter, you don't come back, they shut you down for the full year, and your contract tolls entirely until next year. Now, that's a hardball nuclear option by the team, but that's why guys rarely walk out. They either don't show up or they show up, but they rarely walk out because that, that wrinkle is firmly in favor of the teams so he's there i'm going to be paying attention to how often he practices how intensely he's involved in practices will he be suiting up for preseason games and behind the scenes is there a meaningful effort to try to get him what he wants and we know he wants 20 million a year he's made that clear so we'll see but it's in it's it's not over just because he showed up because i think even though he's not holding out there's a chance he's holding in so 
look, eight and a half million this year. I mean, the guy's worth a lot more than that. And uh, if he gets a serious injury, he may never get the money that he could get either from the Giants or on the open market. And he could go year to year. He could be saying, all right, I'll take eight and a half million this year, and then I'm going to go Kirk Cousins. I'll take the franchise tag in 2019, 20% raise in 2020, come 2021, unless they're going to pay me 25, 26, 27 million quarterback money for one more year. That's the rules under the franchise tag. Third application, you get quarterback money or a 44% raise over your prior year. He hits the open market and he goes where he wants and somebody gives him a huge windfall then. And maybe he's thinking, you know what? I can get through three more years healthy and then I'll go cash in somewhere else. I just, I, I don't, I feel like there's something more going on here. I can't imagine him capitulating the way that he has. LaShawn McCoy. Now, this is one where you're going to tell me, be nice, Matt, because I saw the report from Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo of NFL Network that LaShawn's going to show up for Bill's training camp. Well, of course he is. I mean, what's he going to do? Hold out? He's not holding out for more money. He's not holding out because he's disciplining himself for whatever it is that happened in Georgia, of course he's going to show up. The question is, will the league put him on the commissioner's exempt list? And that comes down to two things. Number one, is there some sort of a charge that's made by the authorities in Georgia between now and Wednesday that would force the NFL as a practical matter to put him on the commissioner's exempt list? Remember, this is the allegation that he arranged for someone to show up at a house he owned, invade it, take jewelry that he had bought for Delisha Corden, and along the way, she was brutally attacked. If he's charged with a crime in connection with that by Wednesday, I think there's a good chance he ends up on the commissioner's exempt list. The more intriguing aspect of it, what is the NFL doing to investigate this behind the scenes? And could they come to the conclusion? Personal conduct policy is broad enough. If they want to come to the conclusion, and, and it's like if the commissioner believes that there may have been a violation of this policy for a crime of violence. He can, if he so chooses, put the player on the commissioner exemplist. So he can do whatever he wants. And if they've discovered anything troubling in their own investigation, they could say, hey, LaShawn McCoy, you're on the commissioner's exemplist. I think PR drives this a lot. And one of the PR concerns is how big of a deal do we make this by putting him on the commissioner exemplist? Remember, there was a there was a guy, some low-level slappy for the Colts a few years ago after they started with the commissioner exemplist, and the allegations against him were very severe. But nobody cared. Nobody knew anything about it. So if you put him on the commissioner exemplist, you've got an associated press story that ends up in every newspaper and on every website in the country. So I think from time to time, the NFL will ask itself, what kind of reaction are we going to get to putting this guy on the commissioner exemplist? And if it makes a story that wasn't as big as they thought too big, I think they don't do it. And I hate that that's how justice gets meted out by the NFL, but that's the way it works because it's all about how people react to these allegations of misconduct against players away from the field. But I, I think the Bills need to have a plan ready because whether it's tomorrow, Wednesday, or at some point after that, boom, it could come out of the blue. He's on the commissioner exemplist, especially if Delisha Corden is motivated to cooperate with the NFL. And when she came out recently through her lawyer and said, yes, she definitely believes McCoy was behind this, I definitely believe she'll be talking to the NFL and telling them whatever they they uh, they want to know about this and possibly piecing together enough evidence to do something with McCoy. Now, there's some other guys that I think we'll be talking about later in this week, Matt, like Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald. Who else held out? David Johnson showed up. 
which mildly surprises me, although, you know, he's taking a leap of faith that the Cardinals are going to take care of him. We'll see if they do. They have him under contract for one more year at a very favorable amount relative to his skills. And he saw what happened last year when you get injured. But, you know, there were, there were a surprising number of mandatory minicamp holdouts this year. We'll see how many of those translate into uh, training camp holdouts. Beckham was there for the mandatory minicamp, although he didn't do anything. We'll see what these other guys do, and, and that's something that will definitely be part of the discussion as the week unfolds. All right. I think that covers all of the important things, and uh, I, don't think I, I don't think I rambled too much. What, 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 what grade do I get for that? C plus. I know it. C plus. <laughs> <laughs> as I was saying it, I knew that I was going to get the same grade that Ralphie got for his theme. Uh, I don't think a football is a very good Christmas present was one of the lines or something like that. All right. Uh, we got some PFTPM posse questions. And since Matt Casey is involved, Matt, uh, you, you have, you have, is it cultivated, curated? What's the right word? You've picked the best cut, ones. How about cut and pasted? That, that works too. You've, you've, you've cut and pasted the best ones and, uh, or the ones you just happen to notice. That's the way I go about it. And, uh, take me through. Yeah, these are the best. These are the best. So at uh, Niners season, what do you think is the most compelling story in the league headed into camp? Boy, that's a good question. You know what that means? That means I don't have an answer, so I'm just trying to figure something out. I'm trying to buy buy time. time. I'm trying to buy time. Hey, you know, I I, I don't want to be insensitive at all about the the passing of Tony Sperano. It's a tragic situation, 56 years old. What are the Vikings going to do? I mean, at some point, the dust settles on this. You don't have an offensive line coach now. And that happened to the Vikings in 99. Chip Myers, I believe is his name, was uh, the offensive coordinator succeeding Brian Billick, and he he died at some point before training camp started. I don't know that it was quite as close in time, but it... it uh, you got to make some uh, some adjustments on the fly, and and with all the expectations that are heaped onto the Vikings, this is going to have an impact. We just don't know what kind of an impact it's going to have. So that that adds to this this kind of vague sense that the Vikings there are people who think that they can make it to the Super Bowl. I saw a preseason magazine Vikings over Patriots in the Super Bowl. I thought, are you freaking kidding me? I don't think the Vikings are even going to make it to the playoffs. So um, oh, the, the reverse jinx starting. No, already. it's not. No, listen, listen, stop it. All right. This is, this is going to be a short experiment if we're going to be doing this. <laughs> um, I already get enough of that from Sims every day. But no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm trying to be, and I am being, as objective as possible. I don't think Kirk Cousins is the answer. Kirk Cousins has no playoff wins. I respect the fact that he was able to get himself $84 million over three years. You see he's got that, that, sto- that, uh, that big tower of stones with 720 stones, and he's going to take one out every month. For, because like when by the time they're all out, he'll be 90. So he's trying to remind himself to live an impactful life. I mean, it's kind of morbid when you think about it. But uh, I, I, I just I think that they should have kept Case Keenum for 10 million a year left, uh, less rather. And uh, even then, I'm not convinced that they'd be a playoff team because if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get his collarbone broken, I don't think they make the playoffs last year. I think you're overstating that last point, but okay, we can. Uh... How about we move on past the Vikings so you don't have to torture yourself? Anymore? Well, you know, well, I, I like the Lamar Jackson story, although I feel like it's a little overplayed. I mean, one of the benefits of playing in the Hall of Fame game is you start training camp a couple of weeks early. So you've got the stage to yourself. It's been Bears and Ravens, Bears and Ravens for the last five days. But this Lamar Jackson thing, Joe Flacco thinks that's just going to go away because they're going to win. Joe, Joe Flacco is being pretty naive. 
it's not going away, especially if Lamar Jackson can perform like he did when he was at Louisville. I mean, he was incredible, and he was better last year than he was the year before, arguably, but he didn't even make it to the finalists of the of the Heisman because his team sucked last year. The year before, they were good enough to put him up there and, and get him that trophy. But I, I think that uh, Peter King was on PFT Live this morning. He thinks Jackson's going to be the starter before the end of the year. And and that's that we were doing those prop bets um I don't know when, back in, probably in May, right after the draft, and the Mm over-under for Lamar Jackson starts this year was 0.5. I said, bet the farm on that one, because I think Jackson will start, either as the quarterback, or he's going to be out there on the field, in that Cordell Stewart slash-type role that that they used back when he was a rookie in 1995. So I'm fascinated. And you know how these preseason games flow, too. You know, Flacco's going to get a series, or maybe not even the first game. Jackson's going to go against second and third stringers probably look good and that'll start tainting everyone's view and the the buzz will grow even more well but and that's why the key is going to be what he does when they put him out on the field in that two quarterback package it was funny there was a report the other day that they're using plays where two quarterbacks touch the ball at the same time and it's like they've invented some new game like it's quidditch or something no it's just i mean lamar jackson's not playing quarterback you don't have co-quarterbacks he's in a different position so the ball's handed off to him so yeah that's how two quarterbacks touch the ball on the same play i mean i just think some of it's going to be a little overdone and the ravens will only have themselves to blame because they knew what they were doing when they take him in round one they know exactly what they're doing and and yeah, you know, they want to sell tickets. They want to create buzz. They want people to re-embrace the team. And I, I also think they want to stick it to Joe Flacco because he stuck it to them. Yes, stuck it, Michael. They stuck it to him twice. He stuck it to them after the Super Bowl win when he had them over a barrel and he squeezed every last penny out of them. And then when they had to renegotiate that deal because the cap numbers were getting too high, he squeezed every penny out of them again. I think they they are going to relish the day when they can take his contract, hold it up in the air, and rip it in half. And uh, that comes after this season, I think. I don't know that they can trade him. I don't know what value he'd have given given what's left on his contract. But I think he's out of there after this year, which means they're going to be more likely to put him on the bench. All right, what else we got? Harry Potter reference uh, 20 minutes in. From Pia at PFTM, Posse, what can Bell oh, do wait, wait, to no, avoid... No, 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 i got to bust your balls on this. You're reading <laughs> Harry Potter. No, I am. It was quite an image. And no one cares. It was quite an image. <laughs> Matt Casey on my treadmill in my gym. It's like, oh, wait, well, yeah, I could turn the TV on. He's like, no, I got a book. Oh, what's a book, uh, Harry Potter? As soon as I walked right into acknowledged it. your reference, I realized <laughs> I had made a mistake. You live and learn. Uh, all right, Next go ahead. question. FTM <laughs> Posse. What can Bell do to avoid the Steelers running him into the ground before free agency next year with another 400 touches? Does he have any leverage besides withholding services, et cetera, well, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, look, what we can do, he, he can he can hold in. He can show up and he can say, I got a hamstring injury. He's, he can say, my knee's hurting. He can say, I may have a concussion. I mean, this is why I've been pushing the idea, Matt, of keeping an eye on the Steelers possibly rescinding the franchise tag from this guy. And people think that's crazy talk. But I think if the Steelers are exasperated with Le'Veon Bell and they spend some time thinking about how this season may unfold. And if James Conner, the second-year guy from Pitt, who was rough around the edges last year, but there's been some buzz about him coming out of the offseason program, if they think he can get it done and they could maybe add an Adrian Peterson and Alfred Morris to DeMarco Murray, who's 
asterisk retired, and he'll be as retired as long as he needs to be until someone offers him the kind of money that would get his attention. But you pair one of those veterans up with James Conner, who's making like less than six hundred grand for the year. You've got Bell making eight fifty k a week. I could see the Steelers very late in camp, late in the preseason. Right after the fourth game, right before the fourth game, yank the tender and say, good luck getting $14.5 million for this year, or the kind of deal that you turned your nose up at from, from us on the open market now, because everybody's going to have their roster set. So one of the reasons why the Steelers may do that, worrying about this tension, right? They're going to want to use him. They're, they're, they're going to want to use him like a rental car, and who cares what's left when you take it back? To the, to the counter because he's walking away after this season. So he's going to be concerned about how he's used. They're going to be concerned that he's not going all out. And where it all potentially comes to a head is in the postseason because he's no longer getting 850 grand a week. Stats had the numbers today. It's like 27 grand for the wild card winner, 24 grand for the wild card loser. It's peanuts in the postseason. He maybe he maybe he says by then I'm done. I'm not playing in these playoff games. What what are they going to do to him? He's leaving and he's leaving as soon as the season ends. And uh, I don't know that anybody who has any real competitive fire would ever do that, but these are issues that the Steelers would avoid completely if they just say we're, we're, we're going to rescind the tender. That's why I think we have to keep one eye on that possibility because all of these issues like the 400 carries and other leverage he'd have, those issues are going to continue to hover over the Steelers for the rest of the year under this current scenario of Le'Veon Bell having a one-year contract. That was articulate, well thought out. And completely avoided the question. I answered the question. <laughs> he d- I think, no, he's, I think he's, what he's getting he's at, only, no, seriously, what he's getting at is more, can Bell do anything? Because let's for, let's say he they he signs the tender, right, and he's playing. I think the question is getting at, how can he avoid the Steelers just he can't. working him into the ground? Uh, yeah. He can fake injuries. That's what he can do. He can hold in right. instead of hold out. And I yeah. And I've heard of players doing that where – you know, I, I, I'm, I've got there's one game left in the season and my hamstring's bothering me. And, you know, the, 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 the get out of jail free card for any player is I'm having headaches. How can you prove a guy's not having a headache? It doesn't show up on a CAT scan or an MRI that you're not having a headache, that you're not having, you know, uh, you know the, the vague, you know, memory issues or whatever. You can, you can tank your, your uh, concussion test or whatever the case may be. So that's his only option. And, and there's something nefarious to it. I'm not saying he should do it. But either he stays away into the regular season or he shows up and he's just got a very low threshold for what it is that, that will allow him to say, I, I can't play today. And uh, I, you know, I remember thinking a few years ago when RG3 was in his last year with Washington and they had that big payment that he would have been fully guaranteed if he was injured going into the following March, and he ended up in bubble wrap the whole year, and that was the first season Kirk Cousins was a starter. I remember thinking, you know, he had a concussion in the preseason, and if he really wants to do it, all he has to say is, I'm continuing to have these symptoms, and if you string it out until March, you get that money. So it's a similar concept. If a guy's willing to fake it, if a guy's willing to lie about his symptoms, that's a way to, to avoid having the 400 carries. But I think it's in Bell's interest also to show that he's durable and effective if he wants the kind of money that he's going to get potentially on the open market. Is that is that more in line yep. with answering the yes. question? I right. believe so. Good job. All right, what else? All right, at Recliner QB, why would NFL or at NFL Commission potentially soften their stance on the substance abuse policy? Like we've talked about on PFT, PM, the game moves on without the suspended, injured, holdout, missing player. 
And as another player steps up in their absence, we forget about them. And that's good. Recliner QB has been listening very closely to the PFTPM podcast because out of sight, out of mind. A guy gets injured, he's gone, and you forget he was even in the league. But I think, as I said earlier, that the NFL recognizes that because the war on drugs is over, because the stigma of marijuana use is not what it used to be, they really don't care if these guys are smoking. Now, they care about the substance abuse policy as it relates to marijuana use because it's got leverage from a bargaining standpoint. They're not just going to rip up that policy without some concession from the union. But for something like this, where you have an exciting player in Josh Gordon, an exciting player in Martavis Bryant, I think that that you find a way to let them play because it's in your interest. With the ratings dropping, with concern about the supply of players, you have a talented guy that's going to make Browns games more interesting this year in Josh Gordon. So this isn't helping Jimmy Haslam. It's not about helping Jimmy Haslam. It's about helping the league and helping the games and helping, you know, they got a Thursday night game fairly early in the year. I think it's Browns Jets. Is it Browns Jets? Yep. Yeah, Browns Jets. Like. Yeah, I mean, Josh Gordon, if he's playing and he's playing well, that's another reason to watch that game. If he's not playing, it's a reason to not watch that game. And I hate to think that the NFL is making its decisions based on those concepts, but I think it it may be. And I think that's why the NFL would be softening its stance. All right, from Andrew. Yeah. Did you happen to read the Garoppolo profile on Bleacher Report? What are your thoughts on Belichick turning down the Browns' offer of multiple high-round picks if he did this as a favor to Shanahan? Isn't this another example of Belichick not, quote, doing his job? Now, I, I didn't read the profile. Stats sent me the clip about I sent Gar- it Garoppolo. You sent it to me? The clip about Garoppolo almost getting in the in the. Well, I, I sent thought you it was the link. Stats. I thought Stats yeah, sent I me that it. link. Oh, see, I confused you with Stats. I'm sure you're happy about that. Did you send it to me? I don't I see it from you. Earlier. I see it from Stats. Maybe you both did. Anyway. All right. Uh, well, regardless. Nevertheless. I, I think that uh, stats sent it to me. Days, day after 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, his limo driver was forced to bail into a ditch. They made it sound like he almost died. I, I, I mean, I, 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 once I saw that, it's like, yeah, this sounds a little over the top. I don't know what he was offered, Belichick was offered by the Browns for Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a sense that once it became inevitable that Belichick had to move Garoppolo. He wanted to move him to a place where he was going to be successful and also a place where he didn't have to deal with him potentially every year. If he's in Cleveland, you potentially have to deal with him every year. I don't know what the Browns offered. And uh, I and I don't know when that offer was. Was that offer right before the trade deadline, Matt? Did you read it? I haven't read it yet. I, I had skimmed through that part. I'm in the middle of it. There was There was another part where he was talking about where he voiced his self-confidence that he's – better than Tom Brady, uh, which I found a little more interesting. Less that he thinks it and more that he said it out loud. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna, now, now I'm going to read that. The, the, I guess the story about him almost dying was supposed to draw me in. It, it shoved elite, me away. Yeah. I'm going to have to read that story because um, it sounds like there's better stuff there than, uh, than what we had. All right. Yeah, uh, there's stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'll check uh, it out. All right. And from at the Impact 99, what is your and the general media league perception of the Falcons for this season? What's your opinion? Well, they're in a tough division. You've got the Saints who, right at the end of the year last year, Matt, there was this idea that the Saints are definitely going to be a Super Bowl caliber team. And for whatever reason, I don't know if people just, they can't get accustomed to 
the Saints in that conversation. They're too caught up in the Eagles and the Packers and the Vikings. I think the Saints have as good a case as anyone to make it to the Super Bowl, so the Falcons have to deal with them. The Panthers, you get a shot in the arm with Ron Rivera back. The new owner seems to be behind Rivera and Marty Herney as the coach and GM, respectively, of the team. And North Turner there to put together the kind of offense that maybe gets the most out of Cam Newton. I think the Falcons are going to have their hands full, and I think they're going to be hard-pressed to get to the the postseason. And, uh, you know, last year they were trying to recover from that disaster in Super Bowl 51, and uh, they were good enough to get back to the postseason. But it's not going to be easy this year. The only only thing they have going for them is the Buccaneers are probably good for a couple of wins for the Falcons. But uh, I think that... uh, it, it it is it is going to be a tough fight and uh, well you know what they beat the hey they beat the Rams last year they did a pretty good job getting back last year they beat the Rams last year they did turn it around and get back so I got to <laughs> get were, that but but they, they're just kind they of were like a, a fourth uh, they were a four uh, goal line stand away from beating the Eagles they, they on were the just road. a vague sense that they that it's yeah like, it was a, it was not a smooth year yeah and and it just feels like they're they're a step below. I don't know who the best teams are in the conference. Saints. Let's go Saints, Eagles, Packers. I don't want to put the Rams in there necessarily. I'll go Saints, Eagles, Packers. They're the top cut for me in the NFC. I think the Falcons are a step below that. Maybe two steps below that. Because one step below that, I'd go Vikings, Rams. Um, and that's probably it. And then one below that would be the Falcons. But uh, And the, the Panthers would be in that second cut, too. aren't going to make too. the playoffs. Well, but that the perception they're in that second cut. That doesn't mean they make the playoffs. Maybe they maybe they they lose the numbers game because they don't win the division. So can they claim one of the two wild card spots? Don't try to put me in a box on that. Do, hey, don't do not do not bring bring up to me things I've said that are inconsistent with what I'm saying now. Thank you very much. Oh, good. Next I'll, I'll thing, I'm, next thing I'm going to say, Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to set foot on the field early in the podcast, and at the end of the podcast, I'm going to say he's not holding out of camp. There you go. All right. Uh, I just saw one more. Why is Saquon getting so much hype? This is from Dirtbag1327. Why is Saquon getting so much hype? He's been anointed by some in the media as the greatest running back in history before he's played a game. Do you buy the Saquon hype? I don't I don't think that it's hype necessarily. I mean, it was a, a consensus that he was the best player available in the draft. Everyone raved about him. Everyone loved him. I, I can't remember a running back like that where it's been everyone is saying this guy is can't miss. He's got the character. He's got the thighs and butt, as Chris Sims would say. Mm. He's got the production. Now, the thing about a running back, number one, you take a guy that high, you better use him a lot. Number two, you use him a lot, there's a chance something's going to bust on him, and then you're not going to get a chance to actually get the most out of him. But, you know, this guy, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about Saquon Barkley, that he was by far the best running back available, and that's why the Giants took him at number two. You could take a lot of great players that high. They could have taken Denzel Ward. They could have taken Bradley Chubb. They could have taken one of the quarterbacks. They go with uh, Barkley, and and I think they believe they put Barkley in that backfield behind Eli Manning. You have Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard. You got Evan Ingram, who started to come into his own last year. Maybe you don't even need much of a of a uh, of an offensive line with that weapon and with those weapons, and also. We still don't know how these new helmet rules will affect the game. Saquon Barkley can do things in space. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And that may be a more important skill for a running back moving forward if the the between-the-tackles running game gets eviscerated by these new helmet rules. So that's another reason to feel strongly about Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, I mean, the hype is real. It's It's consensus. It's And I I don't think it's phony. And uh, I'm all in, and we'll see what he can do.
in your mind, what would justify, what kind of career from Saquon would justify that pick? He's going to have to be, I hate to say Hall of Fame, but I've said for the past 10 years, you don't use a top 10 pick on a running back unless you are convinced he's going to be a perennial pro bowler and you're going to use him right out of the gates and you're going to use him heavily. Like, I don't think the Panthers should have taken Christian McCaffrey at number eight last year. They could have taken Mm -hmm. somebody else later in the draft. They could have taken Tariq Cohen later in the draft if they wanted a guy who was going to be more of a, you know, a passing game threat an outside runner, that kind of thing. You have to, you have to make him a workhorse and he'd better be a workhorse and he'd better be productive and he better hold on to the football and you better be able to trust him in pass protection. And uh, he, he better be the guy that all the fans end up buying his Jersey. And, you know, Saquon Barkley, if, if this is going to be a situation where the giants hold on to Odell Beckham jr. Kind of year to year and don't pay him and eventually trade him. If Saquon Barkley becomes a superstar, it makes it a lot easier to move on from Odell Beckham jr. Yep. Good. So that brings us full circle. Did we start with Odell? Almost full circle. We didn't start with Odell Beckham Jr. He had some non-football topics in there. I I got caught up in in the 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 Open Championship yesterday. J- just you know, like Bobby V and I were watching. He was still here, and uh, right when I felt like Tiger was going to take off, that's when the wheels came off. And we were reminded that he's not the guy he was ten years ago. Ten years ago, he's in that position. But you're also on reminded. You're also reminded that golf is infinitely more interesting when he's playing well and he 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 makes you excited about golf that other players just can't do and and now i don't know what the there's no way you would have been watching that if if he wasn't in it yeah i'm very conflicted about this guy because i remember being part of the we all want to witness history crowd during the early years of his career as he was winning the majors it's the greatest potential golf career of all time and he's going to blow away jack nicholas's record Ever since all this stuff happened, you know, with the day after Thanksgiving several years ago, I, I don't know how I feel about the guy. There's a lot of people that are, like, rooting for him to still finish that job. I, I don't know what I'm rooting for, but he is a curiosity. But I think Tiger Woods of 10 years ago wins that yesterday. When he's in the position he was in halfway through the final round, he wins that thing going away. He, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't double bogey and, and just kind of lose that magic. I, I think because it's the first time he was in that position in so long, he probably got a little nervous. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say. No one knows except him, but certainly seemed that way. Are, are, are there still majors left? They, they do the PGA Championship. PGA is in August. Yeah, yeah see, th- that's the one that really isn't a major. That's the one that's just, you know, we have three, we'd like four. All right, we need to find another <laughs> tournament, so we have four, right? Because the Triple like Crown's the already Open. taken. They didn't want to get a copyright infringement lawsuit from the, the horse racing crowd, so they added a fourth one, and they call it the Grand Slam, although tennis does the Grand Slam also, which is yeah, they got, it's they, so like stupid. Like the Australian Open. But it's so stupid because it's all, a, it's all a baseball term, right? Sure. But it's not really – it's more like a home run. It's not really a Grand <laughs> Slam. Isn't that weird? Is that, I'm, I'm assuming that they're using the baseball term when they say a Grand Slam. Unless they're ripping yeah, it off. Never, I've never done the deep dive on the history. Yeah, maybe of it, we but, should. Uh, maybe, we, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe it's time. Maybe it's over. Tomorrow, tomorrow, misused the terms by sports, stealing from other sports. All there right. you go. You know, I can't say certain phrases, but I can type them in this document we share. I left yeah. the message for you. I see. Thanks. How about the guy with hand, foot, and mouth disease from the Mets? Oh, yes. 
Another another thing to laugh about for us well, Mets fans. Well, laugh, but what is hand, foot, and mouth disease? It's something that kids get, basically. He is it because they put their hands in their feet and their mouth? It's a viral disease. I, I think that's just the common name, but it's a, yeah, it's a viral infection. What are the symptoms? Don't know. Never had it. But uh, everyone's kind of making the joke that, of course, a, a Mets pitcher would get that just because it's, it's something that probably no professional athlete has ever contracted. It is a mild contagious viral infection common in young children characterized by sores <laughs> in the mouth and a rash on the hands and feet. No specific treatment, frequent hand washing, and avoiding close contact with people who are infected may help reduce your child's risk of infection. This sounds like the worst nightmare for your OCD tendencies. I'm not that. I'm not like Sims. Well, of course, I have a spleen. I mean, <laughs> Sims is Sims is a complete and total germaphobe. I am not a germaphobe. I am a believer because I'm married to a germaphobe. I'm a believer that you have to be exposed to the various germs and bacteria that are common in modern life so you develop and maintain a resistance to them. I'm a firm believer in that. And Same like page. When, when my kid was was little and he was going to school and he was bringing home all that crap like like that was the that the, my immune system was operating at its highest level ever. I remember when my niece and my nephew were school age and we'd go visit them once every couple months, I'd have a cold every time I came back because I didn't have the immunity to all the crap they were bringing home. So there's a great George Carlin rant that's uh, on par with what you said. Just uh, some more colorful language. Yeah, slightly more. He's he's got some. You know, he's he's. <laughs> there's one that I'm thinking of now that I probably shouldn't do. I would have said it last week, but I'm trying to behave at least as we break in this somewhat new format. We'll see what PFTPM Posse thinks about the cleaner version of the PFTPM podcast. I don't know why I'm doing it. I guess I just I I don't know. I don't know. I think I got a little scared today when I almost dropped an S bomb or two. During PFT Live, that that would not be good. Um, nope. No, that would not be good. And Stats claims he has a dump button, but I have a feeling like he would intentionally not hit it right to get me in trouble. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's call it. That was a quick yep. 50 minutes. Uh, good job putting it together. And uh, Matt Casey, welcome to the PFT PM podcast. We uh, will continue on throughout the week. Thursday, Brent Musburger will try to set up some other interviews. We haven't had Rodney Harrison on here. Maybe we should try to get Rodney before the season starts. I think Rodney could be very sure. interesting. And uh, I, I, just, I hate to I hate to impose on someone for like an hour. I think people like doing it though. I really like having a full hour to just like go. Yeah, you know, people do. Yeah. So well, we'll see. People do for other people, not for me. They do it for Stern. They ain't doing it for me. So. Yeah. Uh, We'll try to get to the point where they want to do, where they where they want to come to the PFTPM podcast and talk about all sorts of crap for an hour. We'll see if we can pull that off. Thanks as always for your time. Check us out at ProFootballTalk.com. PFT Live is back in the mornings. We'll be back on NBCSN next Monday. And uh, have a great day. We'll talk on Tuesday. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art 19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.